I'm delighted to welcome everybody. Consumers say they want sustainable wine. How can retailers deliver? I'm delighted to welcome uh, Devon Brogley from uh, Whole Foods. It gives a wave, Devon. Where else? There, there you are. Um, we have uh, Sarah Norell from um, Director of Assortment Purchasing and Supply Chain at System Bolagets. She and I are both in Stockholm and are both hoping that we bought all our wine because System Bolagets shuts at the end of today. And it's, I think, about your biggest day of sales, isn't it? It's just before midsummer. Um, yes, so. I would say so. For those who don't know, midsummer is the sort of one of the very prime uh, weekends or long weekends for the Swedish for the families and to, to meet them too. So I was just to enjoy Sweden. Swedish. The one underneath Encore, and it was absolutely. I, it so. was okay. <laughs> um, Dan Thomas. So you Dan. Uh, Dan Thomas from uh, Smash Grapes. There you are, Dan. Say hello. And then we have Andres uh, Valero, who's the sustainability and CSR leader at Grupo um, Avinea. And I'm going to kick sort of straight off. And I tell you what, we'll, what we'll do is we'll we'll sort of work through in this order, and then we'll swap and change. Devon, can we start off? What are for you the trends and the technologies that you think are going to shape the context, really, of sustainable uh, wine retail? Well, I'll say. Um... For us, Joe, and thank you for having us uh, all here on the panel. Um, for us here in the U.S., uh, the, the big forward movement for us is really in uh, transparency in everything. And so, uh, and that doesn't just apply to wine, but I think, and in fact, I think in wine, it's a little bit behind the game uh, from that standpoint. And so for us, you know, one of the really important forward-facing uh, initiatives that we have is around transparency and transparency in, in uh, sourcing, in um, logistics and packaging and all of those things and, and what goes into the, into the final product that shows up on our shelves. And are you finding that there are particular technology tools I and mean, is it getting easier to achieve that sort of, that sort of transparency? Um, you know, in, in the form of technology, I think that the technology exists. It's just an, it becomes our, um, I think, our uh, motivation to use it, you know, for the forces of good. Um, and so, yes, I mean, from, a, from the standpoint of whether it's, uh, you know, the traceability that's already been uh, utilized in other industries, QR codes uh, and everything and everything in between. Brilliant. Now, Sarah, you're very different because, uh, you know, Devon's there in a competitive market, multiple retailers is competing against lots of other people. You get to decide exactly what you want to do because there's only one wine retailer in the country. <laughs> is it uh, different for you? Are you able to impose certain, you know, uh, solutions when you see a trend? Well, well, uh, well, anything, nothing can be done if you don't have your supply chain. Uh, with you so that you can do it together because it's, I think that is what it's all about. So then you need to to agree on what is actually the situation. Why are we doing this? And then agree on what is needed to be done in order to meet with the, the global um, challenges we have. Uh, so it starts there, I believe. And, and then it's, yes. I was going to say, you know, Sweden is a, is a noted country for being, in a sense, very far ahead in terms of its um, innovation around sustainability and so on. Is it easier for you than it is for some other markets, do you think? 
Well, I think it starts with the consumer and the customer. And, and if the customer is there and want to buy sustainably, and, and we did the research where, where eight of, over 80% answered that, yes, I want to buy sustainable products, which means that, that we have to, to give them what they want. But this is where, where it all starts. Then it's, it's important also, and it's, it's, it's good value to have an owner who also uh, believe and uh, think that we, we should be in the forefront when it comes to, to doing that. But if we don't have a uh, uh, suppliers and producers around the world who want to deliver on that, it's going to be very, very difficult. So you need to find uh, um, the balance between the, the supply and the demand so that our producers have a business that they want to invest in what's more sustainable. Um, I'm going to jump on Dan. You, we've had a, a national retailer and a, a a nation's retailer. You're at a different end of the the, the market. What's your yeah. perspective as you know somebody who's essentially an independent? What, what yeah, are you yeah. So trends in technology. We're an independent online uh, retailer based in the UK. We uh, we're a, a startup business as well, and um, you know, kind of sustainability is something that uh, really weaves through everything that we do. And it was one of the reasons we we started the business because we felt you know the wine industry as a whole was kind of very you know woefully behind the times when it came down to sustainability across across everything. Um, so you know, one of the things we're seeing, and one of the reasons why customers come to us, and the things that we hear from people is um you know they know they want to buy sustainable wine but they don't actually know what that means in the industry so i think there is a piece of education that us as retailers have to do and you know you can't be command and control tell people you have to bring them along on that journey what sustainability actually means in the in the industry um you know so we see a lot of people you know jump in for organics and biodynamics and things like that without necessarily understanding what that means um, but also, you know, trying to get people to understand that, especially here in the UK, you know, price will always form a factor in how sustainable an operation can be, um, because you know the the amount of money that the the producer ends up getting. So, um, you know, we, we see a lot of people uh, wanting to buy sustainably, and, and it's one of the biggest intent factors that beyond a you know a, a cool looking label is one of the reasons why people pick one bottle over another. Um, uh, so yeah, there's, there's an education piece that we we need to help, and you know we're doing that in very clear, plain language that people can can get on board with. I'm, I'm going to press you a little bit. I mean, does anybody ever come in and or can say to you, "Oh, thank goodness, I've found some sustainably produced wine here. That's what I've been really looking for." Or do they go, "Thank goodness, I found some really good Syrah. It's also sustainable." Yeah, it, it tends to be a secondary point, but it depends on the buyer. Um, so people who have adopted, you know, uh, vegan diets are like tend to have their minds blown when you're like, are you making sure that your wines are vegan? Um, and, you know, they, they just, it's because the public just don't know that. And then if you're then going, well, actually, I'm trying to live as, as sustainable a life as possible. Um, how do I how can I make sure my wine fits that need? And, and it isn't necessarily to your point that people come looking for it. It's when they see what we're saying, they go it's like a light bulb moment They go, I never considered that my wine needed to match up to these, uh, you know, these criteria. And it's the same in wholesale as well. You know, we do a bit of wholesaling 
restaurants are doing local seasonal food. They've removed single-use plastics from the supply chain. They're using, you know, um, reusable reusable cups and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yet they're still sourcing wines from suppliers who drive a mid-priced diesel car up and down the motorway, doorstepping. Um, they, you know, their, their, their local delivery van is doing 10 drops a day instead of using national couriers who are doing 200 uh, you know, so so there's so many things across everything that, you know, it, it comes back to that point about you, it's not just what you're doing. You've got to look at your entire supply chain as well. Um, so we're seeing it in both the retail and wholesale. But yeah, it, it's, it, when you actually talk to people about it, they go, God, I didn't realize all of those other elements that go into it. That's very interesting. Andres, I'm, I'm going to come to you, but also the slight sort of rejoinder. I mean, you're obviously a specialist in this area, um, but you're a, a sort of, I know people who, you know, go fascinating. You're a specialist in Pinot Noir. I really love Pinot Noir. I don't tend to sit with my wife and say, "Do you fancy drinking something tonight that tells authentic stories about local communities and invests in its soil quality?" I tend to say, "Should we have something that goes with sushi?" How how are you finding that you know, as a specialist that you're able to engage people over and particularly using trends and technology in this way? Well, thank you very much. Well, actually, I think this is very interesting for us as a producer. We are, well, large or the largest organic wine producers in Argentina. We have different wineries. We offer different variety and we are leader in, in many categories here in, in Argentina. Uh, and I think for, for us, the challenging thing is we were born with this philosophy that organic and sustainable was the way for us to make better wines. So for us, making the best wine, the best quality wine, and offer to, to consumers the best quality we have is part of our sustainability model. I think that, that is very important. Never to forget that consumer and quality is first because uh, any other sustainability attribute will fail if we don't deliver what consumers are, are, are expecting. And on that end, I, I think that uh, for thinking of value creation through sustainability. That is the way that we approach uh, sustainability as, as a business model with, uh, with our wines. We need to understand two main things. First, the, the wine offer. I think we need to understand that sustainability is a multi-attribute phenomena. So you cannot expect a consumer to understand sustainability as one thing, as you cannot expect to understand that this is the best Pinot Noir of Patagonia, uh, you see is that, why is this the best Pinot Noir of Patagonia or the best Malbec from Mendoza? There are different attributes that make that the best wine. The same with sustainability. I think from the wine sector, we have been uh, very good to explain consumers uh, different attributes on wine. For example, I know consumers that buy $8 or $5 wines and understand what the terroir mean or what the cal calcaric soil mean for them. And if we were able as a, as a sector to explain that, we must be able to explain sustainability as a broader issue and not just as a label to say, this is sustainable wine, trust us. Sustainability must have different attributes and to have the consumer willing to pay more uh, for sustainability or making that uh, choice, we need to understand that this attribute must be aligned with what the individual is expect their individual personal ambitions and hope. Uh, to be a bridge. What I mean here is we know that 
some people, depending on demographic, depending on the place on the, on, on the planet, will be expecting different things on sustainability. Some will be looking for social justice. There we need to deliver fair trade certification, ethics certification. Other will be focused on climate change issues. They are a neutral wine, carbon footprint wine can be delivered as an attribute of the product. Other will be expecting on biodiversity. They are uh, organic with the biodiversity of the soil can be a, a very good way to communicate. Uh, and, and other people will maybe focus on recycling. They are alternative packaging and how the end of life of the packaging is delivered uh, should be communicated. So for us as a company, we have all these attributes, but we need to be very sure that depending on where are we are our product reaching, in which aisle of the, of the whole center they are reaching, we will need to communicate different. If not, we will be losing this uh, opportunity that we have in our hand, that the whole wine sector have in our hand to be very fair when communicating sustainability, because if, if not people were saying, well, these are the sustainable wine and these are the not sustainable wine, and we don't want to make this rough definition uh, in the aisle. This is very interesting. Now, again, slightly, I was going to ask another question. I'll come back to that, but I do want to explore this notion of sustainability. And I, I don't know, I might sort of just slightly go back, you know, sort of back up the way in, in a sense with Dan. Is um, in wine retail, is sustainability arguably an unhelpful word? And just for everybody, I'll give a sort of context because I've been wondering about this. We talked about a war on terror essentially a sort of broad general concept we actually went and you know killed people in Afghanistan and Iraq that's actually what happened similarly we talk about sustainability but it actually means reducing bottle weight go changing packaging going it's it includes sometimes wider values that might conflict with so being an organic producer at a small level can conflict with reducing bottle weight and carbon emissions, which sometimes is achieved at scale. So is sustainability a helpful term or an unhelpful term in retail, Dan? Uh, I think for us, um, given, given our kind of demographic, um, you know, the focus for us very much is on, uh, it, it's on the kind of carbon footprint and uh, recyclability. So, so packaging and, and, and the carbon footprint of the wines we're, we're using, um, but yeah, equally, I think it's such a broad umbrella term and dependent on who we're talking to, it does mean different things. So for our retail consumers, yeah, very much it is, uh, you know, the questions we're asked, the, um, you know, kind of the way we talk about wine being sustainable and our business being sustainable is all about recyclable packaging, um, you know, lower carbon footprint, you know, locally bottled wine because it ships at a lower um, you know, a, a lower CO2 output than, than, than shipping bottles at source, you know, that kind of thing. Those are the things we're talking about that people want to see. Uh, and actually, when we talk more in kind of the B2B side of things, actually the um, supply chain ethics, uh, workforce, uh, exploitation of human labor, those kind of things, um, though, those tend to be what businesses pick up on. Um, but it, it probably is, like say, a double-edged sword. It's, it's, it's a bit of a buzzword that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and, and, and butt heads with itself. Because I'm, I'm thinking, Sarah, I just saw a poster and it certainly referred to hold barred head. Sort of That's rough Swedish word for sustainability. Yeah. It, is, does it have a similar kind of catch-all sense, though, do you think, in Sweden? I, I do agree with that. It's it's difficult to, to understand what. So you have to fill it with facts and and figures, so to say. Still making it very easy for the 
for the consumer. So I, I do agree with Devon saying that we need to be transparent, we need to know our supply chain, but we also need to know where do we as a company have our, our biggest risks and our biggest impact, negative impact on the world, on the people, and from there see where are we to focus first, because you can't possibly do everything at the same time. So for it when it came to the climate, we recognize that, that packaging is the, the foremost, um, has the highest impact on the, on, the, on the climate. So we started to, to implement new type of packaging, we are lower carbon, having a lower carbon footprint. And, and also now when we released what Linda, my colleague talked about this in the previous session, that we have this sustainable choice as, as a sort of a, a umbrella for three different areas of sustainability. So we try to educate the consumer and our, the, the, our colleagues in the, in the stores, they are, are helping the consumer to understand what this is. It's, it's new, it came on the 1st of March, so it's just a couple of months back. But it's about, uh, it's about the environment, it's about uh, how the social, the, the working conditions, and it's about packaging. So we choose three areas and it, it is still complex, it's three areas, it's still complex for the consumer, but we try to make it as, as easily uh, understandable as possible. But yeah. on the other side, behind the screen, and talking about having a transparency and have a traceability, it's much more complex and you really need to have the tools and, and the, the processes to really being able to secure that what you promise when you set up a label that like that, you can also uh, promise that. And, and people may know, I mean, for a long time, Scandinavian um, monopolies have, have always been sort of market leaders in, in boxed wine, particularly. I mean, was that an open goal for, for you as a retailer that people were already reasonably comfortable with the idea of boxed wine? Well, it's it's good because the the boxes are are the most uh, <laughs> the best when it comes to the climate impact, obviously. So we have a, we have a good starting point. I would say it wasn't about that in in the, the late nineties when the bagging box was introduced. That was not the reason it it uh, captured so much uh, market share. It had yeah. to do with with easy easy to handle. The Swedish consumer is is uh, very practical, but also that it it's. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a better price because it takes less money to, to fill and to, to transport a bag and box in comparison. I can tell you that literally outside this window just a few minutes ago, there was a gentleman walking with a number of boxed wines. Number. Uh, He's going to have a big, the, <laughs> a big midsummer party. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have quite a party. Devon, I'm going to turn to you because you have this interesting perspective and in this end, so in a little bit like down, but you know, you are a retailer with a, a consumer group who are already, one would imagine, at Whole Foods, primed and turned on to the notion of sustainability. You're not you know, very different in a sense from Sarah, where she's got the entire country to supply, you know, maybe whether they like it or not. You are at least sort of self-selecting. And does that make it easier for consumers, you know, to, to understand what sustainability even means? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I... I uh... I really enjoyed and appreciated Andre's point around meeting the customer where they are. And every customer has a different value set that we're um, that, that we want to capture and lean into and, 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 um, and speak to in these efforts. 
one of the things I find really interesting and difficult with sustainability specifically as it relates to wine is it's, it's unlike, um, there, there isn't the mass, uh, sort of public understanding of there, there's not one, uh, it, it's, it's a luxury item first and foremost. And so for us, uh, I think our, our consumers really, they feel fancy when they buy wine, no matter what price they're paying, it still feels like a luxury item. And so it's not the same as talking about sustainability in the context of mass deforestation or, uh, you know, child labor. It, it really is, you know, uh, the general consumer, uh, has this idyllic idea of what makes of, of winemaking. They, they've gone on vacation to Tuscany or Napa Valley or wherever. And they, and they just, they don't, they don't have the same sense that the, the of the need for sustainability in wine uh, as other. And, and to, to Dan's great point, they make these assumptions that, you know, because their personal experience is that, well, wine is a postcard or, or wine is vegan. They, they, they make an assumption. It's almost uh, an uphill struggle to get them to understand that, you know, sustainability is, is truly an important, important piece of this. And I, I again, I loved Andre's point that it, it's not so much about, and, and I guess to, to another point, our, our consumers are the same in the sense that they want to feel good about their purchase and they want uh they want to feel feel as though the wine that they're purchasing is of superior quality based on the on you know what they're looking for in the wine flavor profile for sure but also the the attribute the additional attributes that it has and so at whole foods yes our consumers are more predisposed to um believing that the products that we're selling are like fit into their their positive personal paradigms, but, but we're in the same space as anyone else in that they already feel like wine is, is a luxury item and that they're leaning into that. And so um, I think one of the big challenges <clears throat> as we talk about sustainability is how we collectively identify and define that. And I think, you know, the SWR is in, in the right space there because it does mean different things in all these different countries and, and places and, and growing regions that um, I think one sort of overarching um, understanding of what this means and a, and a specific tie to the quality that customers are getting, I think is going to be a, a real win. It's a very interesting perspective of that notion of the, you know, the sort of public perception. And in some ways we, we sort of sit between, I described it to somebody the other day as a Neolithic product with a Roman era stopper in a 17th century package. And it's, it's sold on the internet. And, you know, there are elements to wine as though that go back some way. I tell you, I'm going to sort of take you on a little bit further because, you know, you're talking about what meeting the consumer in the middle. I think Andrew's point's very good. I'd be interested to take your perspective on this. If we were to, I'm going to give you a challenge, actually, for everybody, this is a, a sort of interesting challenge. Which consumer, I'm going to ask you which consumer segments are, should we be addressing around this, but I'm not going to allow you to use, or I'm going to try to say, try not to see, see if you can do it without using some age-based cohort. So without describing millennials, Zs, boomers, Gen Xs, is it possible to define the consumer segments that you should be or can be targeting. I'll start with with you, Devon, on that, and then we'll sure. 
Um, and for, for us, the consumer segments aren't so much age or gender uh, or, or, you know, any of the of the typical factors as much as it's it's the the types of entertaining that they do, the personal uh, pursuits that they have, their their personal things. And so we we have, you know, perimeter shoppers and we have uh, entertainers and we have, um, you know, different categories like that. And for us, you know, the ones that that health we have health seekers. Right. And for us, I think the, the largest category for us that I think is already is the one that's sort of already bought into the idea that their health is important and they and they're they're seeking uh again i'll use transparency again but they really are they want to educate themselves about what they're putting in their bodies overall and and yet they they they're not there or they they they're not there yet, at least in the U.S. And with with our consumers, they're not there yet as relates to wine. They they shop Whole Foods for their sustainably sourced seafood and their organic produce and their compassionately raised you know beef, and and yet or animal products. And yet they they still come in and their first um, their first uh, decision point in wine is price, right? And so I think for us uh, and and perhaps the industry, but the connection point there is, you know, this idea of if you're, you know, health seeking, if you're, uh, you know, interested in educating yourself about what's going into your body, then this is an, an obvious choice is to look for attributes like sustainability, regenerative practices, you know, uh, earth, socially conscious, environmentally conscious practices as relates to wine. And well, I can attest to that. I have to tell you, I think that the uh, steak counter in the Whole Foods in Napa is possibly among my favourite places in the entire world. Um, particularly, when, I, think was, I think the last time I was in, I had it with Las Rajas, the um, that wonderful wine which is on the shelf up there. I'm going to jump across to you, Andres, um, for you as a producer. And again, see if you can steer clear of Gen X's, Z's, any other combination of late alphabet letters uh, or millennials, whatever you want. You know, who should you, who do you see yourself as consuming as a target market? But for us, it's clear that as we don't sell directly to consumers, all consumers are target for us. That's why instead of having a, a portfolio with one sustainable product or one sustainable product line, all of our portfolio uh, is sustainable as we offer different attributes as the different price point. As we say, we are Fairtrade certified, for example, all our wines produced with our grapes could potentially be labeled as fair trade, but we don't label everything as, as fair trade. So depending on the price point, depending on, on the clients, but for us, the most important thing is that we sell to 55 different countries that are in different uh, continents. So we have different consumers. For us, the most important thing is how we reach the, the best uh, distributor, importer and retailers that can keep the message going. Because many times we have a clear message, but as we don't have uh, many times the opportunity to reach to the final consumers, our message gets blurred in the, in the distributor or in the retailers. Because uh, as you know, sometimes retailers are very focused on just completing their wine list and saying like, I need uh, this uh, net zero products, but they don't care if the company are making only one net zero product for them and they are making or have no climate action plan for the rest of the company. So we try to be very clear that we prefer to be a sustainable 
company that offer different attributes and different products. And for us, many times we are surprised that many uh, retailers have a, a very ambitious corporate program on sustainability. And when we bring that to the table, the wine buyer is not aware of that program and therefore is not applying the whole company philosophy on the wine uh, on one buying process. Because they say, well, one buying is not the priority for, for a retailer. So um, and many times we, we find this. So for, for us, beyond consumers, I think when, when consumer is clearly communicate, he understands sustainability. But the problem is when we get this message blur aware and when we don't have retailers that have this clear uh, wine procurement uh, sustainable policy, a system Volagen have that is very clear, yeah. but many retailers don't. And that for us is difficult to say how we can get our product to consumer if retailers are, are not put in a place for us there in their aisles. And are there, you discussed the, how you could label everything as fair trade, but you don't. Are there sustainability appellations, if you like, that actually decrease the value of the product when it gets to retailers rather than enhance it? I think it's, if consumers get confused about them, they, they, they can probably do. Uh, but I don't think that they, there is any, any specific one that can lower the, 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 the value. Probably if you make a mixed message, if you say like, if you label as vegan wine and you pair your wine with meat, well, that's, it's a kind of weird message. We, we try to, to avoid that. Of course, you say like, we are sustainable or we put a fair trade level and then we have a, a very high price point that means that it's a, a wine that is not possible to, to, be, to be bought. So that kind of thing, to be coherent of what you are communicating or what your brand has been communicated before you put the label on, on, on the front on this specific sustainability local program, fair trade, organic, uh, vegan. I know we, we have a lot of things to put on the label, but it's not necessary. We need to put them all at the, at the same time for all our brands, for all our wines, for all our markets. That's very interesting. I do. I, do, I appreciate your point about um, as well saying one thing and doing the other. But this is going to sound terribly bitter. But, but I was once made redundant by a B Corp, which I always sort of thought that was the point of being a B Corp is that you didn't go and sack people. But uh, maybe I'm being a little bit too cruel on them. Dan, um, you're now going to tell us that you only ever target millennials. No, you're not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. No, without not all. No. Uh, yes, without any of these age group cohorts, because it's too easy an answer. Uh, what for yeah. you are the sort of segments that you think you should or you find so, so so our our real focus and the one where we're really getting success is is the kind of you know towards the lower end of of, of the market of what people are spending per bottle of wine you know what what we term the casual drinkers you know these are people who go and do their weekly shop and will pick up three or four bottles of the same thing they've drank forever um you know and they could be of any of any age um you know, they're, you know, we're, we're then having to put all of these different elements together to tell them the story about why our wines, you know, sell sustainability. Because if you're asking anyone to, to trade up in this current economic climate, you've got to sell that, that story. So, yeah, it's the casual drinker who's probably trying to make some incremental changes in their life. You know, they remember to take their bags when they go to the supermarket. They're, they're, you know, they buy free range eggs. They only buy fair trade coffee we're trying to get them on that journey with, with their wine, but ultimately they're the kind of the, you know, they're, they're the mass market segment 
And we've got to make it easy for them because like, they're not going to look at it and go, oh, I found a really good sustainable wine. We, we've got to put it in front of them. You know, we've got to do the work so that the wine can be part of that lifestyle for them um, because, you know, ultimately those consumers aren't going to do the work themselves. And you're speaking to us from a country that's the current inflation rate is 9.1% and it's got a cost of living crisis and uh, the after effects of Brexit and, and so on. Yeah. Is sustainability well enough embedded in your customer's psyche that it survives those kind of pressures? Like, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, you know, and I think everyone in, in all industry is, is hoping that um, the current you know, the, the current cost of living crisis and fuel and inflation, everything is, you know, is, is a bump in the road rather than, a, you know, the start of a, of a steady climb. Um, but uh, I think what we are seeing is a lot more, especially in that, in that, you know, there's ultimately going to be some people who are just, they're going to trade down because, you know, the pressure's on them, they're going to trade down. But there are people who, if you, if you tell them, you know, if you tell them the story, you can be part of that lifestyle that they're trying to lead, you know, they will they will purchase quality over quantity uh, and that would be you know quality you know having less wine but you know st- we're still talking a 9.99 price point here we're not saying they're going to go for quality by but you know trading up but they you know they might rather than pick up that six or seven pound mass label brand uh in the supermarket that uh you know that many of us will see slapped on billboards and tv adverts they'll buy an independent wine that they're, they're comfy with the you know the sustainability of the producer the company everything else where they're buying it uh, you know they might only have one bottle a week instead of two um and that we, we are seeing that conscious buying it's it, you know it's the same reason people buy from their local farm shops now rather than you know a lot of the uh, imported meats on supermarket shelves things like that we, we are seeing that well there's a national rail strike and it's going to rain at glastonbury so there's lots of need to drink your way through and cheer yourself up with at the end of it. Well, exactly. People spend more money at home as well in these situations. You know, ultimately, foreign travel takes the first hit, um, but there tends to be a little boost in, in at-home experience. So, you know, we're looking at ways we, we help, uh, you know, jump jump onto that, um, you know, and, and, and offer more than here's six bottles of wine, you know, we offering different kind of kits and tastings and this and that that, that can broaden the horizons for people who are feeling a pinch in the pocket interesting Sarah you're not allowed to target specific subgroups because everybody goes but I mean do um are there differences in the way that you're able to engage with different consumer segments across the across the nation's stores yeah we have to take care of everyone that's for sure and we do it the best we can and I think that that it's uh trying to be personalized anyway with the people who are very well trained in our stories is the way we do it and and either you buy cider or you buy uh, wine of good quality in in a bagging box or you buy a, a, a more expensive bottle of wine or spirit or liqueurs or whatever we need to have a good good selection of product at the high quality and sustainably made so um, um, I, I, I read now in, in, in the, the chat and um, it's, it's obviously about the transformation we are doing. We are on a, on, on a journey towards 2030 when we need to cut emissions if we talk about the envi- environment and the, the, the climate impact by 50%, which means that it's, it's about 
a lot of different things needed to be done when it comes to wine. It's about the, the heavy packaging. It's about maybe drinking less as well, because that goes both with, with uh, the, the mission we have at Sustainability, or the vision that, that alcohol should be enjoyed without anyone harming themselves or, th- or others, which is obviously how much you drink yourself and how, how the products you, you are consuming have been, been produced. But, but I think that goes very well with, with the overall wine trade that to, to produce better quality, being able to get better paid for those products. And, and uh, this is something we'd not, not drink every day in big volumes. So um, it's a transformation. I think that is important to understand and we need to calculate backwards to know what is our part, what is our part at Sustainability to be be securing that future for a livable planet for our kids and, and, and their kids. I'm going to stick with you, Sarah. When I first met Tobias, actually, um, it was at a conference and there were various discussions about how do we nudge people into making more sustainable wine choices in a retail environment. And I use the example, and you may know this, other people are not, Sweden's uh, domestic airport service managed to reduce um, national flights, domestic flights, by 10% in a year. Uh, through a nudge. So it wasn't through stopping people flying or increasing prices. It was essentially a word, um, mm. flieg scam, which literally translates as flight shame. It sort of was like a meme and people were shamed into not taking domestic flights. And the counter to it was talk script, which was tra- train pride. You were proud to take a train rather than flying. And you can imagine this is a very big, long country. So in some cases, those train journeys are quite, quite lengthy. Um, and I had suggested that maybe flasca scam or sort of bottle shame was possibly a sort of route forwards. Gla- glass bottle shame, yeah. Glass bottle shame. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to sort of come around. No. I might as well start with you, Sarah, because you're the person who will have embedded the Swedish terminology there. Are we, should we be moving away from very rational arguments, maybe to more emotive ones at a retail environment? In, in the best of worlds, the assortment at Sustainable should be all sustainable. But it's about doing a little at a time, doing as much as we can to, to, to reach our goals of being, being climate uh, zero impact in 45 or wherever. <laughs> but I, I don't like the shame <laughs> label on this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, what we are trying to do now is to introduce good wines in Tetra packs, in, in paper cartons. Uh, so that Joe, you and I also are, are interested in buying these products because it's not only entry levels. So I'm looking forward to that. But obviously, we are, like you said, from the 1700s been used to drinking wines in glass bottles. But this has to be, it has to change. It has to change. And um, I think it will. It's going slowly, but we, surely we will we'll, uh, we'll be there. Make it sort of shunned. Devon, would you ever countenance uh, shaming Whole Foods customers into going and buying wine more sustainably? Or or maybe there are other nudges that you're already using in in your stores? Yeah, I I feel like uh, that's just part of the human condition already. So none of us needs any more shame in our lives. um, I, I will say, though, that, you know, the future in sustainability, the future in, in wine sustainability is the same as, as everywhere else on the planet. It's, it's a necessity, right? It's, it's something that's, we're not debating. I don't, I don't think we're discussing, 
oh, should we do it? Can we do it? How do we get people to buy into it? People are going to, they're going to have to buy in because it's just what we're all, we all need to, right? And so um, I, to, to Sarah's great point, I, I think it's a, it's a slower process. It, do, it doesn't go as quickly as anyone on this call would like. But part of why we're all here together is the understanding of we know that we're doing this and how do we explore ways to help bring more people along faster, right? And, and so from, from my perspective, um, and, and again, uh, many of our shoppers are already predisposed to this. I, I, I have, um, they, they come in the front door knowing that it's, it's not, um, you know, name your, your massive big box retailer across the world, right? Like Whole, Whole Foods customers self-select slightly differently. Um, but, but I think that from our standpoint, that the nudge that you're talking about is simply in, um, you know, creating the systems and highlighting the products much in the way that Sarah and, and, you know, system Bologue, I'm, I'm butchering that name, but are, are so expertly doing already is this sense that like, you know, we make the commitment to it. We put it in front of our customers. Um, you know, we highlight it for our customers as, as an, an important, uh, attribute, an important thing that we're doing and, and our customers will respond. I mean, I'm looking across to, to you, Andres. You have this slightly different perspective because you're a producer in a sense rather than a retailer. Do you get feedback from retailers about what works and what doesn't? Are they pressuring you saying, you know, actually, because I mean, in your sense, you can't really shame people into doing it, but are they giving you feedback saying, actually, this is what's going to go and help us move these things more sustainably? No, actually, that's a very interesting question because we get that feeling... A lot depending on the country, depending on who are we selling, and depending as I told you, who is our partner there, our importer, our retailer. In some we have, we can go deeper. In other, we just uh, have to be aware of what what they are feeling. But I think generally with fair trade, we have have a very good response on fair trade in the last two years for for labeling, especially uh, first in, in England as a big fair trade buyer, a very mature country for fair trade products. Then the, the, the Northern Monopoly, especially System Bolag and, and Alco. But we, we bring that, that those experiences say like, this is working in this market. Then we start talking with the Canadian market. They say like, we, we have a very successful story with fair trade here. Why we don't try it in, in the Canadian market? And last year we have a very good performance in the Canadian market. So well, we, we are trying to expand to US and Latin America, even here in Argentina, we are looking forward to offering a fair trade product uh, here. As I told you, our product are fair trade as in the winemaking process. They are not they are not all labeled as as fair trade. So that that's very interesting for us because we think that fair trade is an example of, of sustainability, but bring these people not in a shameful way, but in a very positive effect. They say like this is how you can make positive things and when you people that even are not aware of the brand when they knew what fair trade is behind and then there is money that come back to the workers and the <laughs> workers invest them on the local society and we show some example of that uh, that buyer get this, this idea and he start promoting our wines uh, as well so so I, I think that's fair trade is an example but I think we need to find this example of not shameful but positive impact reinforce biodiversity and give them 
very short but clear example of when you are buying an organic wine, you are promoting uh, carbon storage in the soil and biodiversity in the areas where the wine is made. When you are encouraging this sustainability local label, you are encouraging good water practice, you are encouraging this kind of practice and trying to focus on the, on the positive effect, we can say with the, the handprint that we are generating with the wine, and retailers should be focusing on the footprint or reducing the negative effects on their policy when they're buying, but not to the consumers. To consumers, we have to talk about positive effects. I think that's the, the, the best way to divide. And then, Dan, in your, in your case, because you sort of sit at the other end of that, that kind of channel, one of the things that I found very interesting is whether or not retailers, whether or not producers are having that sort of feedback. But also, we often find that the most interesting, innovative ways of tackling consumers often come from quite small companies because you can be so much more agile. And I'm not knocking what Devin's able to do, but because he's got a big group of you can have a go, it doesn't work. I mean, what are you seeing as a I mean also apart from the things I tend to lift those ideas and use them on my own business. But I mean what sort of um agile things have you been able to find in terms of nudging, changing, what's helpful, what's not? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, you know, alternative packaging, just to, to come to come to that point, is it might seem so far away right now. It might seem so foreign. And, but think, especially here in the UK, 10 years ago, when you went and did your shopping, people put 10 or 12 plastic bags in, you know, they bag two or three things up and they put it inside other bags. That just doesn't happen now because policies changed and attitudes had to change. And I think that not necessarily down to shame, um, but I actually think that, you know, especially like for us in, a, you know, what is ultimately a crowded marketplace, you know, as a wine retailer, <clears throat> we don't want to shame people when it comes down to, um, to, to the, you know, the sustainability side of things. But, you know, we also won't be vanilla in our attitude, in our language. You know, we will, we will often polarize. There might be people who just go, that's too much. But it's better to have 60% of people that get on board and love what you're doing. Um, than kind of broadly appeal to, you know, a mass. Um, so I think, you've, you know, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to push people along this. And, you know, especially in our sector, in the mass market, consumers want it done for them. You know, they are not going to be proactive. We, as the industry, have got to do it and we've got to be the change. And ultimately, the people that, that make those changes are going to be the ones that, that you know, that are going to that are going to grow, uh, especially at, at, at this current time. I'm, I'm going to start with you on this, Dan. We've only got a couple of minutes, and so this, I've got yeah. a very short, tight little thing. So I managing director at Pix, we're an e-commerce platform in the United States, yeah. going to roll out. Uh, one of the things that we have pioneered was a kind of Netflix type tagging system, so that you would be able to see in a glance uh, whether I now our third tag is always contextual. So it might say that it's great with the barbecue, it might say it's a female winemaker. It can include sustainability features. So it could have, for instance, vegan or and at the moment it's got organic biodynamic, that kind of thing. I'm going to ask everybody because I can go and do this. We can go and test it and it'd be interesting to go and see if there was some sort of one or two word sustainability concept or appellation that you could go and apply to a wine. I mean, Andres, it could be fair trade, it could be something else. But if you really wanted to go and see what might people might people people click through, and that's all our job is, what would you love to see as a one or two word sustainability term that we could go and apply to wine? And I'll I'll start with you, Dan, and then quickly turn around everybody else for two minutes. You know, I think we've got to keep it simple, you know. <laughs> 
this is a good wine. You know, plant, this is a planet-friendly wine. I think we've got to keep it very broad. Um, and it could be in a lot of different areas, but it has to be something like that. So you would go for something that's quite expansive and catch-all rather than something yep. that's very specific. Be- because people won't, don't see granular detail. The word sustainable is one of the biggest words searched on our website. You know, and we have we have categories for organic, we have categories for biodynamic, we have vegan, we we put stuff in different areas, but you know, our signposting as a business is um, you know, good for consumers, good for the planet, good for the you know, so so good for us is uh, you know, good for the planet, like a planet friendly some I think it's got to be broad. It has to be. Um and, you know, there could be, like you say, you can have subclasses of that if it's about carbon footprint, if it's about worker standards, if it's about, you know, trade welfare. Like, there's lots of different things it could be. But I think, yeah, I have to keep broad because consumers consumers aren't going to, well, especially in the mass market, it's different at the top end because they, you know, they want to know the stories. But in the low end, you know, consumers consumers want it to be easy and and if we think that they and if as an industry if we don't think they're going to want it easy and want it simple we're we're completely off the mark Devon if I'm tagging wines that are going to be listed at uh, Whole Foods would you have broad expansive keywords or would you have uh, tighter more focused ones do you think I I agree with uh, Dan's point that you know you you need to start broad or you don't capture enough uh, uh, of the set. You know, one of the uh, tags we have at Whole Foods in, in our produce department is sourced for good. And it really is a, an extension of uh, fair trade uh, and organics and everything else. And, and it really resonates with our customers because it is, it's a, it's a, it's a catch-all phrase, but it, it speaks to where people are, um, whether that's good for the planet, good for them, good for, you know, the, the, their overall health. Um, so, uh, but I do love, I love the idea that, you know, Dan's point about, you know, when we're talking about sustainability, we're talking about the planet, the peat, our people and, and the future. Right. Um, and so something along those lines. Um, Andres, what would, what would you have me test? Cause I, I can send you the results. We'll go and see what comes through. What, what would you love to see a test on? No, I think probably will be responsible winemaking that will cover all these environmental responsible, social responsible, economically responsible, cultural responsible, wine in moderation will, will be as well uh, put in, in that broad. I think that finally it will be about a system the sustainable choice because consumers are the ones that have the hand to make this this different. And we as companies in the different part of the supply chain, we need to deliver to them. So we need to be have very strong sustainability programs and able to deliver all these different attributes that can be as fair trade to organic to biodynamic uh, as well. I think responsible winemaking will be and sustainable choice will be the, the worst. And I mean, I'm just going to end because it's, we're just at time. Sarah, um, you may, I don't know if you can come up with an interesting untranslatable word like Largom or something, but I don't know. No, please. <laughs> would there be anything? What would you go and have a test as a sort of catch? No, but we already have sustainable choice. So we all, already did that work. And uh, I'd be happy, Joe, to have a Swedish fika with you in, in the autumn to tell you more about how, how it turned out. That'll be fascinating to go do. Well, look, thank you all very much. We've come around to the end of our time and you've gone along with my slightly daft questions in the most fabulous way. Um, so thank you, uh, Devon, Sarah, Dan, uh, Andres.